education, learning, things in your library are there to inform you, not to indoctrinate you or to force you to adopt a certain idea. I feel really comfortable and confident in knowing that by providing voice and exposure to different things is great for children and great for adolescents and great for teachers too. Welcome to Invitations to Listen, where we amplify stories of learning. Let's go behind the scenes, one story at a time, and learn alongside each other. I'm Summer Johnson. And I'm Nishi Langhorn, and you are invited to listen to today's story of learning. excited today to welcome Chrissy Ronan, who is a librarian at Marshall High School, and student Aria, who is a senior also at, at Marshall High School. So super excited to have you both here today, and we're going to be talking about banned books and um, just affirming library spaces and the importance of multiple perspectives, and we're really excited to, to get your thoughts on that. Welcome. We're so excited to be here today. Absolutely. So before we get into some of our questions, why don't you just take some time to tell us about yourselves and, and your story? Do you want to start with, with you, Aria? Um, sure, yeah. Well, um, hi, my name is Aria. I'm a um, senior uh, here at Marshall. Um, at Marshall, I'm on the equity team. I'm also part of a club called the uh, called Students Demand Action, which is kind of similar to the equity team, but more oriented towards things that are happening in the community and in the world. Um, I'm also part of the robotics team here, so, and I, I love science and STEM, so, but I'm also very passionate about advocacy, hence the equity team and students demand action, and I'm just really excited to be here and to offer my whatever perspectives I can share. Um, I'm Chrissy, I'm one of the librarians here at Marshall, and um, I've been a librarian, this is my 12th year, and as a high school librarian, um, before that, I was in library school and I worked at the mall. Um, before that, I was an elementary school teacher um, for five years in Oklahoma and one year here in Virginia. So um, mostly I love my job because I get to know stories like books and stories that traditional way, but also I just get to know students and I get to work with teachers and I get to know all kinds of people and learn about their lives and make connections. So now I'm curious, how did how did the two of you start working together and establish this relationship? That's a good question. Um, I think it was my freshman year, right? Nice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so I used to, the library for me, um, just I guess to kind of orient towards our topic is, um, has been kind of a place of, um, I suppose like it's, it's like a safe space in the school where I, I can come to anytime um, that I that I need to or anytime that I want to, particularly how I met Chris Ronan was in the mornings, I used to come to the library. I used to get dropped off super duper early, um, like way before school started, but the library would always be open at that time. So I could come in, sit down, do some work if I needed to. Miss Ronan would be there and I'd say hi. And then after, I guess, four years now, which is kind oh of crazy. <laughs> Um, I've just been consistently coming into the library, sometimes multiple times a day, just, you know, <laughs> how it happens. And, um, and yeah, that's, I guess that's how we met in our relationship mm -hmm. form. And then also, so Ms. Renner and I are involved together on the equity team. Um, Ms. Renner is one of the equity leads here at Marshall. And so um, I've, I've been interacted with her through that. And yeah. yeah. So, 
that's I was going to say, it started really simply with good morning every morning. <laughs> and if I see a kid every day, I'm like, oh, I got to know your name. <laughs> I feel bad if I don't know your name. Um, and then I called Aria the wrong name for a little while and she corrected me. Uh, <laughs> and um, I don't know, we've just gotten to know each other over the year, but um, I would say, yeah, through SDA, I got to know you a little deeper right. at the oh, Students Demand Action because yeah. as the equity lead, we worked together to build a school-wide yeah. lesson last year. Um, so I got to know you kind of on a different layer. Yeah. So, um, and that has led to this. So here we are today. Awesome. Well, what a wonderful partnership. That's so great. And I love that you, I love that you described the library, Aria, as a safe space. Mm-hmm. I, I think that- you. Yeah, that is is so powerful and it's so true. And Chrissy, you know, kudos to you for creating that welcoming environment and really taking the time to get to know the students who are coming into that safe space and making it more of a safe space for for your students. Well, thank you. It's a team effort. We all work together here. Love that. So share with us. So we're here to talk about banned books. Share with us your perspectives. Do you want me to start? Um, It always used to be like a, there's a banned books week in September that's like from the American Library Association. And it's always like a provocative book display. Like how can we like get teenagers to read something on a wall, right? Like that doesn't happen very often. So like it, for me, it was always like, oh, this is fun and interesting to talk about. And it is interesting to have, you know, as teenagers are growing and becoming their own people and learning to formulate their own um, values and ideas and starting to critically think about the values they've been told about, but maybe haven't applied. Um, Banned books is kind of an interesting way to be like, well, why would, what does that mean? And how does that impact you? and it was always like, well, what's what books are banned here? What books are banned in Fairfax County? And for a long time, it was like, oh, nothing. Um, <laughs> um, this last year has changed my answer. Um, there were several books challenged um, this year through the school board. And then the official challenges came from some community members. Um, so it became a not just a regulation I kind of had to know about some. Um, it became something I really needed to understand and make sure I was following and um, being um, unbiased from my perspective. My perspective is that every kid should read whatever they want to read whenever they want to read it. But I understand that I have a responsibility as a professional too to make sure I'm following the rules. So there was that piece of it. I also want to make sure that students have as much choice as they possibly can, um, whether that is in their research and what they're reading or in working on for classes or what they're reading for pleasure, what they find enjoyable or things they wanna learn about. Um, it kind of comes back to my general educational philosophy is that I'm trying to help create good humans. And in order to be a good human, you need to understand our community and our community being Marshall the school or Falls Church, Virginia, or our country or the world, there's a million kinds of humans. And so we all need to either feel seen and valued as who we are and respect and value who others are. And I feel like books are a way to do that. Here, here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I pretty much agree with Ms. Ronan. I think a huge, um, something else that I, similar to Ms. Ronan, I believe in is, um, in terms of information, just learning in school, I personally, I'm a 
huge nerd and I love school and I'm really happy that I'm and feel privileged that I get to be here and learn the things that I get to learn and I think um a part of that has a part of how I've like been shaped as a human teenager growing up has been the information that I've had access to now I understand of course that there are certain things for certain maybe age levels grade levels that might not be most best fitting for them or the, the best for their education but I will say that I firmly believe that I think you should, as students, as kids, it's important as we're forming our opinions and basically who we are, that we have, I think we have access to the information, different perspectives, different sides of different issues, and then having learned everything and just the information's there in front of us, we then choose what we adopt or what we believe and what we agree with. And you go from there. I think I personally kind of frown upon um, <clears throat> sorry, kind of front upon restricting access to certain um, either issues in different people's lives or where people come from. Um, I think that's been integral to who I am as a person, how I've developed, and just being able to, from the outset, being able to just hear that, not even have to agree necessarily or, or disagree or anything like that, but just having access to information like that has allowed me to understand people more deeply, relate to them more deeply, and has made me kind of the empathetic person that I am today. And so the information I've had access to, I think I credit that um, to that information. So. And I feel like one of the things that when we get into discussions about challenging books um, or banning books is those values, right? And I I want to be open and respectful for any family's values, whatever that might be. And I think that as a family, you get to decide what's important to you and your family. What I struggle with and where I get a little angry is when you want to put your values on someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where I start to get a little um, protective of my students and my readers in that I think they should be able to read all kinds of information and get all kinds of ideas and then bring that to their family and say, you know, this is challenging this value that you've taught me. Can we talk about this? Or as the adult saying, hey, kiddo, I see you're reading this book. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I think I wanted to just say um, you you mentioned how forcing basically your ideas upon other people or someone else. I think that from what I've read and what I've um, learned about this topic uh, for the past few weeks has um I've realized that I think that maybe what some people who maybe are for banning books, how they view those those books that they want to get banned is pushing this information on my kids or my students around here. Um, but I think um, that maybe that perspective, I sort of disagree with it in that I would think it's books and education learning, the things in your library are there to inform you, not to indoctrinate you or to force you to adopt a certain idea. I think they're there to expose you to what's out there. And then, like I said before, you decide and you talk to your family and you talk about it and decide, is this something I agree with or I believe in? But you absolutely don't have to. It's not being necessarily forced upon you. And I think that's when, like Ms. Ronan said, it can get, you can become sort of a, I guess, a passionate topic for her. And the same for me. I think I get it makes me a little angry when it, people force ideas upon others. And I would never right. want that to happen. And I don't think that's what's happening with um, when you have access to information and books and things like that. That What you said was so powerful, Aria, that, that books are there to inform us, not indoctrinate us. Mm-hmm. 
I think that is spot on. And I also love the connection that you're making to reading controversial topics, banned books, um, and that connection to identity formation and how important it is to be exposed to multiple and different perspectives to form your identity and to figure out, you know, what, what you do value and just, you know, as part of the, the adolescent, pro like going through adolescence, that's a really integral part of the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it makes me think of, it's one of my favorite analogies that I've heard of just the windows and the mirrors, right? That you have windows into different perspectives, different cultures, different parts of the world, but you also have mirrors that with, you know, characters and books or topics that, that affirm who you are and help to, um, like you said, Arya too, that safe space is, is often in a book and maybe you're the only person who has this identity or has this perspective and now you get to, to, to read um, somebody who shares that with you and, 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 and how just affirming that is and how much that could break you from isolation that you might be feeling. Okay, librarian here, Dr. Sims Bishop came up with that windows, mirrors, sliding doors analogy. Okay, thank you, because I never know who to give credit to. <laughs> yes, that. the but credit belongs to a very amazing Black woman professor who, windows, mirrors, and sliding doors. Oh, what's the sliding door? I don't know that one. Um, just, you get to jump into someone else's life. You just okay. get to pop in and go explore a different place and come back out when you're ready. Love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. But like, cause we, you get just as much like of the experience of reading, right? Yes, I wanna be affirmed as who I am. Yes, I want to look at other people's identities. And it doesn't always have to be like through a traditional, I'm gonna read this memoir by a person who is a different race for me. It could be, I'm gonna go read this fantasy book and through this fantasy, I get to explore someone else's community or culture or values, right? It's yeah. so exciting that any book can do this for us. I'm curious, how do you navigate the tension, you you know, you talked about like kid, kids should be able to read whatever they want whenever they want, and we have rules. Mm -hmm. And so, how how do you navigate that tension? Um, that tension, there's a couple of things. I find comfort in knowing what the expectation is for myself as a professional. We have a regulation. We have an amazing support system in our school, county, um, and library information services. Um, and a lovely, like and another amazing support system here in my building with my principal and my administration team. Um, I know that I can reach out to any of those people and say, I don't know what to do about this. What about this image and this graphic novel? Is this okay? <laughs> like if someone yells at you about this, how will you feel? Um, but I have, I find comfort in knowing that I followed the regulation, which tells me I'm supposed to have two positive professional reviews or my own personal reading of the book and being willing to stand up for the value of this piece of work in our collection and how it suits our community. Um, that helps me when I'm trying to find that balance between um, my emotional connection to a text and why I think every kid should read it, right? Um, versus um, it makes, it gives me comfort in knowing that if someone has a problem, I can say, look, I follow the regulation and I have this and I have this and I have this and it represents this element of our community. So it's important to have it as part of our collection. Um, and that I have backup, right? I know I've got administration and library support services who will help make sure that we, um, 
have what we need because all reading is good reading. That's my other like mantra that I have been hollering for years. So all reading is good reading. While you were talking to Chrissy, it made me think about just kind of the emotions that I've been feeling as an educator when there has been this backlash on the indoctrination, like you all have spoken of, of suggesting that like my years of education, my professionalism is somehow like I, I just thrown it out the window and I just indoctrinate and teach whatever right. I want. So, and, and I appreciate that you're talking about that balance because I have felt a lot of just like anger, like, what are you talking about? And, you know, do I come in and tell you how to do your job or question no. this, these, the education and the training that you've gotten to, to be where you are today. And it's, it's really, it's really tough to be able to, to, to hear those emotions that people are having and those accusations. It's hard when, and when my identity is so much attached to my, my role as an educator and to be questioned like that. So I'm wondering too, like that, the balance of those emotions, how do you go about that? It, uh, <laughs> it's not easy. Um, but it is, I feel like if my guiding question, if my guiding light is always this, how will this help my students? How will this help create a great community that I want to live in, that I want, you know, my niece to grow up in, that I want my teachers to feel welcomed in, like all of this, right? And I think it's that I am angry because I want to be trusted as a professional, but then that means I, like that I need to do my work as a professional, right? So I do have a master's degree in library and information science. I do have years of experience with students and with colleagues to understand what will serve their needs. And I just in, I don't know, I've been in a library for, this is my 12th year. So even just in these last 12 years, the huge variety of perspectives available is so much improved. There's a million light years of improvement still to go, but even just now, I like I was able to create the like the most beautiful Black History Month display I've ever created, and part of that was because for the last six years I've been able to build a collection that could do that, mm -hmm. that could withstand having so many perspectives represented as just a Black person in America. There's a million different ways to live that life. And so I need to have a million different books to help explain that. Aria, I'm curious, your perspective as a student, mm -hmm. what challenges or tensions have you experienced in terms of banned books? And I would add too, as a, as a leader and an activist as well. So kind of all those things that I'm, I'm hearing you identify as. Yeah. Um... Or more generally, even outside of banned books, some of the sure. tension that you're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say a lot of my, I, I would say my in, I'm very privileged to have not had a ton of, I guess, um, outright in front of my face, people talking or, I guess, bashing things or anything like that. Nothing negative towards me about that topic, but, or any confrontations I say, I wish I should say. But I will say like through, I think my exposure to it has often been through like social media and just, or media in general. And also, um, I guess from like things my friends are talking about and friendly discussions that we have about it. And I would say the tension that the building that, uh, the dealing with that tension, I should say, um, has, it's been in terms of the way I deal with it, I would say it's, I was reading the, this article in the New York Times about the uh, banning of mouse in Tennessee. 
And um, I realized that they, the process that they underwent to actually ban the book and to get rid of it was they skipped over a step. And that step was, um, it was, I think it was, they were supposed to receive the perspectives of a diverse like panel, I think, of people, either from the board, I don't remember exactly who it was, but it was essentially multiple people from multiple backgrounds were supposed to review that, look over, look through the book and decide, is it worth banning, I think is the gist of it. And I think ultimately that approach was maybe, maybe it was a missing piece in that situation, but it's definitely something I like to enlist when I'm trying to deal with that sort of tension you guys were talking about. Um, so I would say um, the way I deal with it is trying to hear and listen to people who are different from me and what they think of these these banned books, what they think of, or things that maybe they think should be banned. Um, so it, again, it comes down to listening to different perspectives, which is, I think, the root of this whole thing. So um, I try to hear from my friends who are maybe different backgrounds than me, um, who are, or I maybe even look into my own, how do, am I affected by this? And what do I, as a Black girl in this in um, in America, think of this book, and um, so really just trying to receive again different perspectives and information on it as much as I can, and make my assessments through that. I will say, um, yes, it is frustrating at times for sure, having to hear about some of the things that are getting banned in some places around the country and how it's how it's detracting from some kids' experiences in school, but. I will say I try to go at it as as, as much of an, a, an open perspective, I should say, open ears, I suppose, like hearing what people have to say um, about it and make my assessment from there. I also think an emotion I didn't really talk about that's part of this as an adult who's in charge of buying books for 2,000 students and 200 teachers um, and all of their educational and recreational reading and research needs, like no big deal, right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's some fear as we get into a place where there's potential for books to be challenged, to be brought up at school board meetings, to be shared on social media, to be publicized for the way that they're promoting things that someone might not value. Um, And that fear is new for me at my job um, because I've always tried to keep that, oh, if it's good for students, then I can back it up and I can feel good about those choices. But there are people who are saying that I'm not doing, like not me, Chrissy, but like that librarians or that teachers or that schools are providing things that aren't good for children. And there's a fear that like, I could get called out for something or that maybe I really did have blinders on and I've made a mistake, but so far I feel really comfortable and confident in knowing that by providing choice and exposure to different things is great for children and great for adolescents and great for teachers too. And that's where that backing is so important, right? Chrissy, that you talked about and having no feeling having the fear, but also knowing that you have the support that you're, principal is going to support you that, you know, library sciences is going to support you. You've got that to, to fall back on. Mm-hmm. It is helpful. And having an amazing partner that I can, like a co-librarian that I can talk about with all of this too. Like, hey, what do you think of this? Do you think this is too much? Is this okay? And at high school, we get to be a little more flexible, right? I have students who might start as freshmen at 13 and 14. And we have seniors who, depending upon 
their learning needs, they might be 20, right? They might be 21. So there's a lot of flexibility in there. I think this is a big, like the age appropriateness becomes a much bigger challenge at a middle school or an elementary school. Mm-hmm. Elementary, you go from like five to 12, right? Like that's huge. <laughs> that's a lot of different layers of appropriateness and middle school is such an in-between place that makes it hard too. But that the fear is definitely allayed by the support that we have in our school systems right now. And I'm definitely hearing when you were sharing, Aria, too, is like that that criticality, that critical thinking skill that you have has, and now you're a senior, wherever you go next, they're very lucky to have you. And, um, and that, that skill that you've honed because you've had those windows, right? Mm-hmm. And because you've had the sliding door, the mirror, both of them. The, that criticality you've helped you've developed that through access to different perspectives and books and and you're going to take it forward and that is that is a trait that we need in humans right that is a trait that we need in, in this world and in this country so right and a family that nurtured that that right. created the space for you to make your own choices True. and decisions absolutely so it's exciting i know i do you ever like when you get to talk to students, this is like, I'm like, the world will be okay. (laughs) The children are coming. They will save us from ourselves. And that's why it's so so important. Yeah. So what is next for you both in this, this journey? Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm going to keep on fighting the good fight for choice for um, a variety of identities to keep encouraging my students to challenge what um, is presented to them in a healthy, like as a healthy skeptic, right? So not just take everything you hear as um, guidance for you, but everything you hear is an opportunity to think and have healthy questioning of your own choices and how you wanna go about in the world. Yeah, I think similar to Ms. Ronan, I, on me as a, I guess, a student, a, a 17 year old still trying to figure out who I want to be and what I want to do. Um, I think I just want to, again, keep my ears and my eyes open as much as possible. I think I am personally am the kind of person who I love to listen. I just, I can sit like podcasts are my, my jam. I love podcasts, <laughs> interviews. I just love listening to people and what they have to say about where they come from and who they are and what they're dealing with. So I think I wanna continue down that path because I think um, like Summer was saying, that's been what I think what's basically made me as a person uh, is what I hear from other people and how I uh, critically think about it or how I choose to accept it as something that I believe in. So I think I will continue to keep my ears open and keep reading of course and, I think um, another aspect of it would be helping other people to do that and encouraging them to open their eyes, open their hearts, their minds to, to a variety, a variety of people and perspectives. So helping others do that and then continuing to do that myself. I think that's my, my next step. Yeah. It's really incredible. And to hear you talk, it makes me think about what an empathetic leader yeah. you both are and yeah. You know, Aria, you talking about when when you are interacting with people who maybe have a different opinion that you really you really seek to understand their perspective. Yeah. And you're modeling for the people that you're interacting with that maybe have different views that you don't necessarily agree with. You're modeling how to how to get through that 
and how to, how to work through that. And it's really through empathy and, you know, seeking to understand multiple perspectives. Well, and I don't know if I'd share with you, Nishi, but like Christy's like my top, like, tell me what to read next. Like, this is what I, this is my oh. young <laughs> thing that I've read and tell me what to read next. And it's always a great recommendation. Um, and I've been Last thinking a lot. Last night at the Telegraph Club. The what? Last night at the Telegraph Club. Okay. You and I finally read it. It like got all the rave reviews and I was like, oh, it sounds pretty good. I guess I should read it. And then I was like, oh, this book is so good. <laughs> So. so, and, and it's, I was thinking when you were sharing the, um, the display you had for black history. Um, mm -hmm. So, and, and as a queer person, and I knew this about myself when I was in high school in the nineties. And so there was very few mirrors for me, right. In fact, maybe none. And so the, but there was one book that kind of got passed around in my friend circle called stone butch blues, um, which I think is like out of print now, but if you can find it's amazing. Um, and the author is incredible. Leslie Feinberg. Mm -hmm. You have, you've, you've had it? you read it? Okay, get it. Yes. Oh, I'm making a recommendation for Chrissy. This is like, oh, wow. <laughs> and um, it was, it was so just amazing to have like a, a lesbian character and a, a butch identifying masculine character that I could see myself in as like a young teenager. And I've, I've read it like, you know, 10 times. And then when I would like mentor other queer students as a teacher, that would be often a graduation gift that I would give. And so I was like, here was my favorite book. And I was like, and I would be like, how'd it go? How'd, how did you, it was like, why'd you give me that? That is so sad. That is the saddest book. And I never <laughs> thought of it about being sad, even though there's like sexual assault, there is like rejection from family. Um, there is all kinds of just terrible things, but this idea that this person found their queer family and found acceptance in who they are and lived their, their true self that was the theme that came through for me because that's what I needed, right? As a, as a teenager. So, sure. and now to think all of the more affirming books that there are now, and right. to, I'm always telling Chrissy, just, I need them, please. I'm me devour because I just spent years in the library just looking at gay. Like I just needed <laughs> a mirror, right? Yeah. Um, well, now and, the list is so long that I really yeah, was able to, well, and I could do a great display where there are hard stories where people are overcoming obstacles. And then there's also just this, like, I'm on the prom committee romance, like, and, yeah. and I, and I yeah. need to figure out what I'm going to wear and how I'm going to talk to my, get the money for the ticket oh yeah and I'm gay like yeah, <laughs> right and so that's what is important to me is that it's not perpetuating that like any one identity there's no monoliths here yeah. nowhere yeah I think I've experienced that as well I think a lot of the time with stories about black families or black girls particularly it's always a lot of the time it's just overcoming obstacles which of course like Ms. Ronan said there's a place for them I, I love those kinds of books some of my favorite books are those but it's also sometimes nice to just see a black girl like going on a date or you know like going to school or <laughs> or just living the her world life. in like a magic or, fantasy right yeah. like going and like killing all the bad guys and <laughs> yeah no for sure <laughs> like, in, I think that's our goal is to have all of these different facets and iterations of people represented in our, what we consume every day, what we read and what we see and everything. So I totally agree. And it's connecting to the human experience, right? right. It's not connecting to one, like you said, there's no one monolithic identity that we're going to read a book and be like, yes, I'm connecting to this one thing. It's, it's the human experience. Right. Who get Absolutely. to understand new facets, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
All right, well, feel free to send over a list of recommended reading. You too, Aria, you can now be, um, I'm, I'm, I love, I love young adult, I do. Um, and so I'm, I'm happy to, to always get uh, new recommendations. Great. I also liked Pet by Amezi. I know this is a whole new podcast. I don't, yeah, I'm not ready to have a podcast. I can see you. Oh, thanks. See you. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Maybe next year. I go. just got to get through this year right now. <laughs> Well, thank you both so much for sharing your stories and the story of your partnership, which is so inspiring to, you know, to see how the change that we can make when we work together and we partner with students and we amplify those student voices uh, and we seek multiple perspectives. So thank you for for being here with us today. And congratulations, Aria, on uh, class of 2022 and uh, excited to to see where your, your journey and your criticality and your intellectualism and your activism and your leadership takes you in this world. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having me. This is amazing. (laughs) Thanks for listening to today's Story of Learning. Let's keep amplifying our voices.